Hey guys, welcome to the Your Marriage Story podcast where we believe story matters. And we're passionate about helping Christian couples live a more mission-centered life. I'm your co-host Chris, along with my lovely wife Justine. We hope you guys have fun, that you're encouraged, and that you learn some nuggets for your marriage and family along the way. We are so glad you're here. This week on the show, we're living into the new COVID dynamics and get a chance to interview some longtime friends over a Zoom call. Uh, we've known this couple as long as we've been married, and we're so excited to have them join as they are the first marriage story that we get to share with you. So without further delay, check out the interview with Drew and Marie Roddy. Mr. Drew and Miss Marie, welcome to the show, guys. Hello. hello. Hi, thank you for having us. Yeah, so glad you guys could join us. Um, as you guys listening know, Justine and I are really always encouraged by the incredible stories that we hear um, out in the world and people's marriage stories and um, really how life culminated to the point that, that they're at now and, and what their story can do to encourage other people. And so we wanted to bring our friends on so that we could highlight a little bit about their life and their story. Um, we met them. I think it was eight years ago now, probably 2000, early was, 2012. Yeah, like yeah. We, right after we got married, I think. Yeah. So early 2012. Um, and we were in small group together mm -hmm. with uh, Mark and Crystal Venti at their house. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think we all just had a connection really early on. And then we had such a close core knit group of people in that community. Um, it was just such a fun season of life. And of course we, uh, got to stay in touch over many years and, um, you guys, uh, I'll let you tell most of your story, but moved away for a while and then moved back. And, um, now we are down in Oregon, so we're separated yet again, but we like <laughs> to stay connected. So why don't you guys take a minute, tell Tell people listening, kind of, who are you today? What does your family look like? What are you guys up to? Um, kind of like what's a normal um, breakdown of your life? And then we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, you two, for having us on. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm Drew, and um, it's my wife, Marie. And uh, we have uh, an eight-month-old, Brooks. Um, and who's a lot of fun. And then we have a five and a half year old uh, retriever Husky mix, Millie. And uh, she keeps us busy. Um, she's our firstborn. She <laughs> uh, acts like it. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken uh, like a true Seattleite. Exactly. Yeah. You were part of that. Yeah. Per capita more dogs than kids. Which is crazy, but it's true. Um, yeah. And so we, um, we live or just are moving out of a place we've been in in Green Lake. Green Lake is kind of in Seattle, which is kind of a fun city outside, just outside of downtown. And it's really, um, we love being out and being active, walking around and exploring and stuff. The city is really fun for that. So uh, uh, I work for a software company downtown Seattle. And um, when we moved back here from Minneapolis, where I grew up, um, we uh, Marie sold her business, and so she's um, um, 
as we are uh, raising this little one, she's um, taking care of him at home. So um, currently with this whole COVID-19 thing, we're, we're both working at home and uh, raising the kid together, which is really fun. So um, yeah, we have a marriage group that we meet with weekly and that's really fun. Just kind of connect. They're from, we're all transplants. Nobody's from Seattle area, which kind of similar to how we know you guys too and stuff. So um, yeah, so our typical, you know, work kind of our days are, you know, spending, raising our little one and trying to stay in touch with friends that, you know, we can, we both have, I have family that's mostly in Seattle and then Marie is mostly, she was um, originally born in South Africa, but she, um, they immigrated to Canada when she was nine mm -hmm. and then they've, um, yeah, her, so her, most of her family is up in kind of the Vancouver, British Columbia area. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. Anything you wanted to add? No. No. Okay. Cool. <laughs> how did you guys, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met at summer camp, actually, Bible camp. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we were both staff members and um, Drew was a cabin leader. Um, which is basically like a counselor. Um, but in Canada, they can't call them counselors. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I think there's something to do with like, they're not licensed counselors. Oh. Quote unquote, and so, funny. It's, you know, so they're cabin leaders. Um, and I was on the sports crew. So we did like all the activities and games and things like that. And so, yeah, we met at summer camp and Drew's birthday usually falls over the week of camp and he grew up being a big wakeboarder and so the summer staff including the lifeguards and the boat driver that are there all summer um you know towards August when we typically will go to camp there uh while they I know they all love what they do they get a little tired pulling campers because they have to be careful and they have to go slow and all that and so when someone like Drew comes along and is an experienced wakeboarder and they can just really open up the boat and go crazy <laughs> and do all that. Um, they love doing that. So anyway, before his birthday, they um, said, yeah, come on out if you want to invite a couple people. And so he, I was one of the ones that he asked to come along and I had never been wakeboarding. And even though it was his birthday, he let everybody else try first, um, go first and whatnot. And then, we all got off and he kept going and, and <laughs> you know, ripping him around and over jumps and over the trampoline and all kinds of crazy things. But yeah, I kind of kept in touch and um, started, you know, doing phone calls and all of that. This is pre FaceTime pre <laughs> like, I was going to say so, what, what year was this? That was 2006. 2006. Yeah. So that, so that was like so old. no social media. No. Yeah. yeah not really. Yeah. Like Facebook phone calls. Is what did. Yeah. It was very new. Sure. Yeah. Um, we, I think Skype, Skype was a thing then too. Mm -hmm. Like oh, I know yeah. it's the thing now, but um, yeah. So we would do Skype calls and just yeah. talk on the regular phone. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. what yeah. you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Emailed each other back and forth. <laughs> Real exciting stuff. So yeah, 2006. And then 
Um, we dated long distance for three years, uh, ended up getting engaged and planning our wedding long distance. And then our first year of marriage was actually long distance as well. Um, Drew at that point had moved to Seattle from Minneapolis and I was graduating um, from university and uh, we got married in August of 2010. So we're coming up on our 10 year wedding anniversary. And um, yeah, I was just waiting for my immigration paperwork to be able to move south to Seattle at that point. And so it took a lot longer than we had anticipated or had bargained on, but you know, it was an interesting season, if you will. Um, but yeah. And then after moving, that's yeah. When we started going to the city church or now church home and where, um, we met you guys shortly thereafter. So yeah. What was that like the long distance dating marriage relationship? Yeah, it was, uh, it's tricky. It's, it's interesting because it has its challenges, but it's also, um, there's some things that came out of it that we didn't expect, but I like, for instance, I could tell the mood she was in by the sound of her voice. Um, and to have as a husband. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was, uh, you know, we, uh, we were forced to, learn how, I mean, we could just sit there on the phone and not say anything, but it got, you know, and we would do that from time to time. We tried to come up with creative ways, um, but we learned how to talk to each other. We learned how to communicate what we were thinking and feeling. Um, but then, yeah, like how do you date on the phone, you know, um, or long distance and it's, so we would do things like, um, I would send her cooking instructions and we'd pick a movie and we'd, we'd use Skype um, and we would like video cooking together and then we would like watch the same movie and stuff like Basically, that. Basically we were ready for COVID-19 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are prepped. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, but it was, uh, was not easy. And I think the thing that we took for granted was um, <clears throat> so on the one hand, we learned how to like read each other with, had to be able to talk about how we were feeling and the things that were going on, but just then being together, living in the same city, being near each other. um, You know, when we get together, it was like short four or five day stints. And so it wasn't reality. So that was one of the things that became hard when we transitioned into marriage um, was learning how to just uh, be together physically. Um, you know, it wasn't because again, our experience of being physically together was a vacation. It was like hyped up. It was a lot of anticipation. And then it was like the bachelor. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Minus all the other participants, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the last day of the bachelor. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, so it was, um, there was a lot of anticipation building up to it. Um, really hyper focused, really fun, but we would, you know, it wasn't like really everyday life. Um, and so, uh, and then we leave and then it was like, all right, when's the next. And so that became really tricky as we transitioned into marriage to try to learn how to like date each other in the same city. So we ended up moving to Minneapolis for a summer, um, in the middle of a couple of her years of college and, uh, or university, as they say in Canada. Um, and uh, so t- she actually lived at my parents' place as I lived with some buddies, um, the town, next town over. And so, yeah, we learned how to like date 
um, in the same space. So that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I also think, um, you know, obviously we never dated in like the app generation, you know, or, or all that, but just being long distance and, um, just me still going to school and all that, like it forced our relationship to be longer than, you know, we, if we had been in the same city or same town, I'm sure like things would have progressed a lot quicker, just, you know, as it would, that, you know, would would be really natural for that to happen. Um, but because we had to kind of elongate some of the things, um, I think that for us was really good because we had to go through longer seasons together and it forced us to get to know each other more. And, um, and I'd say on a deeper level too, because while obviously we were, you know, very attracted to each other, the fact that like we had to go in and like form an emotional depth, um, and friendship first, um, because of the distance and just the length between, you know, between deciding, Hey, this is really something we want to pursue, um, seriously, because living in two different countries, just, you can't just take it very casually for, for very long. Um, and so we had to be really intentional with, you know, making the most of it and, and then how do we continue to dig deeper versus either just walking away? Cause that, you know, sometimes seemed easier, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, just making normal everyday life still happen, but, um, continuing to pursue one another. Yeah. I'm curious. So like that time where you guys learned how to go deep, like go into the emotional side of things because you had to. And, and, uh, we, we understand that, um, really well as well. And it's, it's something painful, but also beautiful about that because like you just kind of take the physical out of it. And like, that's usually like the default and the easy part. Um, yeah. And so it's really hard at first, but um, what did you guys learn about like each other's love languages and like maybe how, um, because some of the love languages that maybe potentially, I don't know what your guys are, but maybe um, for, for instance, gifts, like that's pretty hard to do from afar, especially in, you know, 2006, seven, eight, you know, like nine, whenever that was like, there's not a lot of options, right? So, and maybe gifts isn't a good example, but like quality time. Yeah. Like <laughs> how did you guys a learn what each other's love languages are and how did you speak them in those challenging scenarios? Um, it's funny that you bring up the love languages. Our marriage group right now is actually going through the book and, um, talking about things and we've both recently taken the test again and what's been interesting to both of us is how our love languages have actually changed um and i think part of that is the season that we're in like being new parents um obviously being 10 years into marriage just things i think as we grow as as humans too um kind of those things change if you will. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different now, I think, than it probably would have been back then. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, physical touch being 
if that was both of our top love languages, long distance, like that would be very difficult, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, to fill each other's, you know, quote unquote, love tank, you know, <laughs> as much as you can when you're dating. Gary, yeah. Yeah. You know, according to the author, Gary Chapman, um, you know, that'd be really hard to do. Um, you know, I, I think like Drew mentioned before, um, you know, one of the dates nights, um, he had set up where he would like send me a list of ingredients. I'd like go to the store, go grab stuff. And we'd like cook together and watch a movie together. And, um, I think just the intentionality behind it, um, and the quality time, again, even though we weren't physically close to each other, we both, I think set time aside, um, to spend it together, even though, I think it seemed really foreign to other people, you know, or like even our roommates at the time were like, what are you doing? You know, um, you're in the dark watching a movie, <laughs> your phone's on, you know, um, and things like that. Um, gifts actually was a, a pretty simple thing from our end because it was easy to send a letter. It was easy to send a gift. It was like, he did a really good job at like sending flowers and things like that. Um, and being a little bit more intentional, um, with those things, I would say even like words of affirmation, which is a big one for you then, and probably is still, um, I mean, that's, it's easy to use your words and really build someone up and encourage someone if you're paying enough attention. Um, and if you're really hearing the other person and like their heart and what, like what they need, um, to be able to, like echo that back. I mean, mm -hmm. it takes practice and that's something that like, I'm not like, but like words of affirmation is just not like, it's actually the lowest one for me. Um, so it takes a lot, like I have to constantly remind myself that like, say good job, you know, and don't just say, oh, good job or thank you for this because, you know, there's so many other ways of like affirming him in all kinds of scenarios than just saying thank you or good job at this or whatever it is. So I think just pushing myself out of my own comfort zone, um, I think was back then too. And like, I guess forcing ourselves a little bit to open up, talk a little bit more because, well, we had to, um, mm -hmm. and now to con continue doing that, even though now we're physically together, I think that was something that we wrote, noticed right away within like year one or two of our marriage that like, because we were physically together, all of a sudden we were like, oh, we don't have to communicate as much because he should, because we're together. And then it came to realize like, well, no, actually we still need to communicate and talk <laughs> the same amount. It doesn't matter that now we're like in the same house. Um, you know, I, I kind of laugh like that new love is blind show where they like are in different rooms or different pods or whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that yet, but like when the one couple like fights from the bedroom and into the kitchen because they're just used to like not being face to face. I'm like, yeah, that, that was us. Like we had to like walk away and like <laughs> keep talking as if we were on the phone, even though oh my gosh. like yeah. we live in a studio apartment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, as Marie mentioned it, it's, we've, it's, what's interesting is we've gone through it again, is it's evolved. Like our love languages are changing or have changed slightly. And I think part of it is because of the different phases, like in our engagement or our, not our engagement, when we were dating long distance, 
it, even though it was hard, um, it was still exciting and we were still getting to know each other. And there was this, it was a new season for us in our relationship. Um, and then, you know, jumping into marriage and having to learn, okay, we're physically together. How does that change how our love languages function? And so that, that's where like Marie acts of service and physical touch are pretty high for her. Um, and so that was easy for me early on to be able to like, uh, show my affection for her and my love for her physically and fill that cup. And then just, you know, um, early on just being able to do things like, you know, knowing that she loves it when I do something around the house or things like that. But as life happens and as we get busy and we get kind of on our, like the things that we're doing within our, you know, in our marriage and as time went on, those start to kind of fall back and we're just like, okay, let's just do life. Like we're, we're just like, let's survive in certain elements at certain stages. You know, we've been through some pretty kind of major stages in our life where we went through some pretty tough things. And, you know, it, it's just, uh, I think part of it is, you know, why I think love languages have evolved, at least for us is what's important. What do we really need? And, you know, some, uh, as some major life events have happened, you know, like uh, things that have happened with our families, moves that we've done, you know, um, now having a kid and a little one, um, another person, human being we're responsible for. Uh, I think what we, th uh, sometimes we need things more than others. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think still like quality time and words of affirmation are really high for me. And um there are times when Marie can give those and words of affirmation is pretty low for her. So then there's other times where it's just really hard for her to really be mindful of that. And that, you know, drains my tank, which then also, you know, I'm not as now my tank's drained and it's hard for me to do these acts of service out of this like full love. And so, yeah, they, so it becomes, it's been interesting to see how it's evolved over time. Um, because early on, yeah, it was, we learned the love languages, but it was kind of easy to do because it was new and excitement. But as we've gotten into our marriage longer, it's, um, you know, different things have happened. Uh, yeah, it's made it harder for us to um, implement. But then when we do, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, we, not, we don't have to really do as much to make the tank full because mm -hmm. it's just like, because it's been on empty um, at times. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's probably something a lot of people don't think about often, which, um, we, we definitely notice after kids as well as how much things change and how the needs change. Um, and like what is loving, um, for you or what you perceive as loving definitely right. changes. Um, so I'd, I mean, I would encourage yeah anyone listening you know, if you've been married a while, maybe three, five years, you've had any major changes in your life, like it is always good to circle back and just kind of reassess and figure out if you're still on the same page, you know, um, especially if there's sometimes there's conflict that people experience in their marriage and they don't recognize that it's because they're not sensing love from one another but it's because their love languages have maybe shifted and neither of them are aware of it yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's um 
speaking of hard stuff, like you mentioned a handful of things that were hard, um, you know, that have kind of like changed from season to season with the way you guys engage with each other. What's been the hardest? Like what, what's maybe the biggest challenge you guys have had to overcome as a couple and tell us a little bit about kind of like what's come out of that. Yeah. Um, Drew mentioned there's definitely been like a few things over the last 10 years that have been difficult seasons. Um, obviously we mentioned at first, like our first year of marriage too was long distance. You know, I, I don't know a ton of people that can say that. Um, uh, Drew's dad recently went through a bout of cancer. So just dealing with like family stuff, um, I also a few years ago had my own health stuff and just navigating those things. Um, we've had a couple big moves, um, specifically once we got married, we were in Seattle and then, um, we really felt called back to Drew's home state, Minnesota. Um, and we couldn't really say why that was. Um, sorry. Do you guys hear that? Yep. Oh. It's oh, a huge siren. This is normal. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So just, yeah, some, you know, some big moves and things like that. And then obviously having like a baby or big, or big changes. And um, we were talking about it a little bit, just, you know, there's so much you could talk about and I'm sure everybody, you know, has certain things that, they've gone through and that have been difficult seasons. Um, I think the one thing we kind of agreed upon that was probably one of the hardest was like in the thing we've learned the most about was like our move to Minnesota. And I want to say like that over some of the other things, because that was a choice that we made um, versus like someone get becoming ill or us having to deal with immigration, right? Like those are things that were totally like outside of our control. Um, whereas moving was 100% our choice um, and where we obviously had felt called to, but we couldn't pinpoint exactly, you know, we're being called because of this particular thing. Um, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, So there's a lot, you know, we can say now that you know, we were there for friends who were adopting, which was really fun um, to be a part of. We were there for a family member who was just having a really rough go um, with decision making in life um, and just needed some people who weren't judgmental and around. Um, we were there for the death of a good friend um, and then walking alongside her husband um, in that. And, you know, then we could also both pursue some really big dreams. Um, Drew continuing to play soccer at a really high level. And for me to start my business and pursue that, um, you know, creative dream um, as well. So while there was a lot of hardship, as again, like being away from the majority of our family and a new community for me um, and all of that, th those were choices that, you know, we were making. And so while that was hard because you couldn't be like, oh, cancer sucks, you know, but it happens or whatever. It was like, ah, oh, I suck. Why did I, why did I choose this? You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was probably one of the bigger. Yeah. And I think part of it too, is like Marie had mentioned that we felt uh, like a prompting 
from God to move there. And those are like, when you talk about it, there's kind of a, uh, you can romanticize it. If you go, Oh, like God told us to move to Minnesota. And it was this like, you know, amazing thing. And we felt really close to God and that's why. And it was like, we actually were kind of in a season where we didn't really feel that close to God. And we were dealing with, um, yeah, just like I was going through some like personal stuff and, uh, just not feeling myself. And, um, you know, there was again, moving to my home state, which would have been comfortable for me and familiar for me, but it was very, you know, unfamiliar for Marie. And so, um, it was the prompting that we got, uh, you know, we, um, talked a lot about it and we consulted people that we trusted mentors, friends, family, and, uh, because, you know, and we definitely got mixed advice and people were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. And other people were like, well, you know, if it, if God's sending you, you got to go. And, um, so it, it was a very hard decision to make, um, I think. And then again, because it, it ended up happening very quickly, you know, we left a few months after I think we decided, um, it was like, we're in Minnesota. It's like, all right, what do, what do we do? Like, what are we supposed to be doing here? We know we're supposed to be here and we're going to do things. Um, like we need a jobs, <laughs> we need to make money, we need food, you know, we need somewhere to live. So those things were kind of the natural things to kind of figure out, but it was just, you know, uh, there were times where we questioned like, why are we here? What are we doing? What's this for? Um, and then as Marie said, in hindsight's 2020, as we started to get in certain life, major life things that happened for other people that we could be there for to support. We're like, huh, okay, this is really cool. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're here for this. Like, is this why we were here? You know? Um, but I think ultimately, you know, what, as we reflect back on it, it was a time really for us to trust God um, with our lives, like the direction of our lives. And just as I think one of the questions that got answered through that is, are you willing to trust us? Are you willing to trust me? I mean, God was asking us and, you know, that's been something that's been, uh, kind of repeatedly been asked him asking of us, um, you know, cause we'll, there are times, especially some of these major th decisions, like when we were like starting to try for a kid, Marie was going some, through some really like intense health stuff. So, you know, are we going to try for our first, like, I'm getting a little bit older. What do we do? You know? And then can we, can, you know, can we, I think God was like, can you trust me with this? And so that, I think that was kind of one of those big things that um, we knew that we could trust God with where we were heading um, because of that move to Minnesota, because we stepped out in faith and said, yeah, we're going to go. And, uh, you know, and he took care of us through it. So. Yeah. That's great. What did you guys, what do you feel like you guys learned about each other or did you learn something new about each other during that season of trusting God and making a big decision that you didn't really know why you were making it or what was going to come of it? Was there tension during that time? Did you guys grow closer together? Like what did your guys's relationship look like and how did you guys learn or was there anything that you guys learned? about each other through that. Yeah, many things there's definitely like growing pains. And I think that was both of us to growing up individually. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the things that Drew and I still 
both struggle with is being people pleasers and being kind of the peacemakers like of our families and usually being the ones that will step aside or let our uh, personal choices or our personal preferences go for the sake of others. Um, and why I think that's served us well in the past, it also, you know, has a dark side to it. And the fact that we don't always stand up for ourselves or we can become pretty codependent and things like that. And so I think that move kind of away from family, one, I think pushed us to both become a little bit more independent on our own outside of family. Um, but then two, to become a little bit more dependent on one another. Um, I guess it's, it, I guess it's a little bit of a competing thought, definitely becoming more independent away from people while simultaneously becoming more dependent on one another and on God, but then also realizing that, um, you know, God really is the one that sustains each of us individually so that we're stronger when we come together versus, you know, oh, each of us, you know, that cliche, like bring 50, 50 to the thing. And it's like, well, then we're both only bringing half. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think learning through that, and that was hard. That was, I mean, I like, I was really young when we got married. And so just learning, just growing up a little bit too, and, um, giving each other the space to really dream bigger dreams outside of kind of what had been expected of us always, um, was that was, you know, what, what to do and how to perform in high school and how to, you know, please parents or please people in college and all of that. And, and you do the right thing, you know, like you go to high school, you go to college and you get married. Right. And so like, well, we did all those things and, and we were the good Christian kids and all of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now what, you know, like we don't have people telling us what to do anymore. And so learning how to be our own independent people and then learning what it was that we wanted our life to be together um, and what our marriage could be together, um, and the individual lives that we had created and the dreams that we had, how do we, how do we mesh those? Um, and yeah, there was definitely some conflict and hardship and, um, laying down, you know, each of us in different seasons. We got some really good advice when we first got married that, um, that we still held on to a little bit, which like you can, both of you can have great seasons of success, but you can't have them at the same time. And so one of you is going to have a season where the other one is supporting and lifting up and encouraging and pushing, and then it's going to ebb and flow. And then the other person's going to have a season of growth and like flourishing and all that. And then it's going to be the, you know, the first person's job to then support and uphold and and all of that. And while we did that for a while, there was also, especially towards the end of our time in Minnesota, we both had just done really well in our respective fields and all that, that all of a sudden, like our careers became the focus and we were like ships passing in the night a little bit, you know, with pursuing big dreams and all of that. So while it was really good that we both had created these like independent lives and we're growing and we're reaching big goals and we're really proud of each other and supportive of one another. Um, we quickly realized that, you know, we were basically going in opposite directions, chasing these big dreams. And to be honest, we didn't really know how to like course correct, um, in a way 
And that was really hard. And I do think like coming back to Seattle and um, me selling my business and Drew moving into a different, um, different company and all of that definitely like, I think the Lord again, like took some of those things, those distractions away um, from us, especially for me. Like I definitely can say like, I put like my career and my business and all that, like up on a pedestal and was definitely like worshiping at the altar of success and, and growth and all of that. And um, yeah, I think that, you know, those, there was definitely good things, but then there's hard things about that too. And I think just reorienting and refocusing on what truly is important um, and what's just bigger than just ourselves. If that makes sense. Like what's the bigger purpose and calling outside of just what I want to accomplish or what I want to be known for, or, you know, so if I can run that back just to make sure I, I understand there, there was a tremendous level of growth and success that was happening in, in both of each other's lanes, if you will. Yeah. But they weren't necessarily like they weren't part of something that was unified for you. And so it ended up being kind of like two separate worlds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you reached a point where you didn't really know how to like fix that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like if you think of a pendulum, right? Like we were on a, like on one side of the pendulum, having, having really like done so many things for other people. And then all of a sudden needing to kind of gain that independence back, we swung the complete opposite way. And while that was good, it was stretching, it was growth. It was too far the other way. And so having to kind of come back where the pendulum is just kind of settled in the middle, um, you know, is really the aim. Um, but yeah. yeah, it almost, we almost needed to take that full swing the other way to really realize like how far we had gone, um, and where we really truly wanted to be. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like when you came out the backside of that, that you had something, maybe the Lord had put on your heart for how to like do it differently or how to, um, cause you had, you'd mentioned the advice you got, like where one would be like succeeding and the other one would be kind of like supporting, like did, did that get kind of like, um, re-energized in your marriage or did, do you feel like the Lord taught you guys something new or a new dynamic or a new way to think or like what, what came out of that recognizing the challenges of like both of us pursuing these careers like full bore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh I think what we learned is uh, there's kind of two sides to it. One, how do we um, continue to, because the, when you are pursuing your dream, uh, when, when I'm found that when I was pursuing my dream, that um, there was a lot of fulfillment there, um, but it was only uh, so much fulfillment or like an isolated fulfillment, meaning it was for me specifically. And when I would, you know, when I would, again, when I, part of one of the things I did in Minnesota was played professional soccer. So that was a big milestone for me and something I'd, you know, dreamed of doing things like that. So it was really exciting, but at the same rate after a game, um, you know, I'd come home and it's like, you know, Marie's there to support me, but she's not in the same world that I am. So 
um, she couldn't share in the same excitement to the full extent that I was experiencing. And then vice versa, when she was running her business, I would help out and do what I could, but I was also doing my own thing. So, you know, I'd be there to support her for her big milestones and her growth, but it, because there wasn't a, we weren't unified together and really pursuing those things together. Um, it was very, uh, we could, it, we could only experience so much fulfillment if it, if you, if you will. And so I think what we came out of the, so that was one of the big things that we learned on the backside is that we were running up into like a ceiling of the type of joy that we could experience because it was isolated. Um, and so one of the things that we've been experiencing more now, uh, coming out of the backside of this is the joy that we experience together. Like for instance, our son Brooks, um, that's a joy that we share together and it's like exponentially better than me playing in a professional soccer game. Um, you know, it's exponentially better than, and I'll, I'm speaking for Marie, but you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, having an amazing event go well, um, you know, but just seeing the joy of like, this is a, a little human that we created together that God's blessed us with. And that joy is like immeasurably more than, you know, the soccer game. Um, or the event that went well. And so I think that was one of the things is that there's like a shared joy. You know, these are things that we can experience together. Um, but I think the other thing too was like a fresh vision for our lives. And um, one of the things that I don't remember, were we in Minnesota, the five Fs? Is that in mm -hmm. Minnesota? Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that uh, we did, an exercise we did in Minnesota was trying to look at like what, what's kind of the vision for our life, where, where are we headed? What's the purpose? Um, and trying to identify those things. And so, um, we ended up coming. So because we felt kind of out of balance and so we were looking at, okay, how do we, what are the things, the major things in our lives, uh, themes or like pillars that kind of upstand, like hold up our, our marriage and our family. And so we came up with the five, the five F's. And the five F's are faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. And those five F's were, so we started to kind of make an assessment of where we were in each one of those categories. Mm -hmm. And then in those categories, then we were looking at, okay, like, how's our faith doing? Um, well, our faith is, you know, if you were to give kind of give like a rating of one to five, well, like our faith is like a two right now, it feels like. Um, and so how do we, how does that become a five? What are some things that we can do intentionally with our faith, whether it's like making sure we're going to church, making sure we're like, you know, having devotionals, making sure there's certain things, um, to, um, help like the faith component and then like family, what are some things if our family is like a one, you know, do we need to spend more time together? Um, and things like that. And so we did that for each one of those five S and that's been something that we've always kind of come back to. Um, since then that's helped us kind of stay in balance, um, you know, around finances, um, the fun topic that every marriage loves to talk about is our finances, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a huge point of conflict. And so, you know, what are some things, and that's been an, a constant evolution for us over our marriage, um, is how to handle finances together. And so, you know, um, finance has always been like a, a kind of a point of contention, but then how can we you know, what are the things that we could do to um, 
make our finances a five. And so if you kind of, if you drew a circle and each spoke, each five spokes was kind of making that wheel um, be able to roll smoothly, you know, if each of those pillars were, um, or spokes, if you will, were at five, then, you know, um, that's when our marriages start. our marriage, we felt like in our life started to thrive. And so um, that was a, a way for us to also check to see, okay, well, things aren't running smoothly right now. What are, you know, let's go back to the five Fs. What's, you know, what's low. Um, and so that's been, that was something that we kind of learned as we were looking at what's the vision for our family, what's the purpose, where we headed, those type of things that helped us. Um, and we did do an exercise of doing like a, a vision and a mission for our family. Um, I think we wrote it. We haven't revisited actually lately. So I know we've written it down somewhere, but I think the five S has been something that's been really important for us. That kind of helped us on the backside of what we dealt with in Minnesota. Mm, I love that. And I think there's something special that happens when you kind of have a process for evaluation and you, <clears throat> you make notes and then you can circle back to it and you have something to like reference. Um, I feel like we get busy and just kind of like go about life so often that if we don't have it like documented then <laughs> like I, I definitely, we did that for years where we just like, we had these good ideas, but cause we never like were intentional with writing them down and like just actually planning things out and we didn't have anything to reference back. We just never really like happened, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, check your progress and how far you've come mm -hmm. and yeah. what you're working towards if you've got nothing to compare it to totally totally well um we've got a couple i don't know if you want to call them rapid fire or like just <laughs> just fun questions um uh for me the question i had is like uh, or i guess picture your guys like on your wedding day right like or maybe the night before and you're you're sitting on a couch in a living room and someone said there's someone special i want you guys to like connect with wait right here i'll go get them and they come back and they bring the 2020 version of drew and marie <laughs> and they sit sit down right in front of you guys and um you know like now you've got what is this it was it 14 years together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like 14 years later, what advice would you give to your past self before getting married and knowing what you know now? Um, and how could that be beneficial for other couples as well? Good question. Good question. <laughs> Um, I think we've we've talked with you guys about this before a little bit, um, but we both, me probably a little bit more, Drew's just agrees with me, <laughs> um, but that I think premarital counseling is really important and really um, helpful, especially obviously if you're a Christian couple, um, you know, not living together and all of that stuff, but um I think some of the most beneficial like work and, and things we've had um, as far as like counseling or anything like that were like happened after the wedding. Um, you know, because if you're, 
especially as a newly engaged or just to be married Christian couple, like if you're not having sex before you get married and you're not sharing a bank account, you know, before you get married and, you know, you haven't quite done the holidays at each other's, you know, family, it's really easy to talk about those things um, and have kind of those rose tinted glasses on. Um, but then when you get into it, you know, and, and you're talking about your sex life or, you know, like Drew mentioned, like you're trying to figure out finances and, and all of that to continue to have like mentors and people in your life that poured into you just as much before the wedding as after the wedding. Um, I, I think I've seen this a lot, like from like the wedding world that I was in is that there's so much hype and build up to the wedding day and so much attention and, and literal, literal showers <laughs> given for people. Um, and they're showered in love and affection and gifts and advice and all this. And then as soon as the wedding's over, like people kind of move on to the next wedding. Um, and so to intentionally, I think, seek out advice and people to continue to pour into you and to be open and honest and ask more questions because just because you got married doesn't mean you have it figured out. In fact, I think you realize really quickly you have even less figured out than you thought you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, man, that's so good. So good. Do you guys have people now that, um, you feel like are mentoring you or do you? Do you feel like that's just like for different, for certain seasons, it'd be good to have mentors and for other seasons, not so much or what, where are you guys at with that right now? So right now um, we, we don't actually currently see a marriage counselor. And I think that's something that, you know, with moving um, has been hard because it, uh, like I have a mentor that I grew up with that I, he still is a mentor of mine who, in Minnesota um, and he's been a really great person in my life Um, you know moving away has made it really hard and then you know um, so I think the moves have been you know in a a sense kind of an excuse if you will Um, but that's also been something that we I think we've desperately needed uh, or been craving is and that's some of the advice probably I would give to my engaged self um is that fight really hard to have um you know like marriage counseling and get get into a regular rhythm and someone or a couple that you trust um it could be marriage mentors as well but really work have someone not just to be able to work through the things you're dealing with currently but like knowing that things are gonna um they were going to come into situation scenarios where we're just going to need to be able to work through things. And it's, it's, um, trust or what I would tell myself is know that it's coming and just prepare for it and just have a plan for it. Um, I we have some good friends of ours in Minnesota, a buddy of mine that I grew up with him and his wife. Um, I would say they have a, a really healthy, strong marriage. And a big reason why is, they said early on in their marriage, um, they, they use the analogy of a car. Marriage is like a car. And you don't wait until the car is, you know, completely out of gas and 
you know, can barely move or it's got all these parts wrong with it and stuff like that. Um, if you really want a, a, a well-oiled machine, a car that's going to last for a long time is you have to do regular checkups and regular, you know, changes or like you know, oil changes like that. So that was something that they actually told us is that, you know, they have, they had a marriage, they've had a marriage counselor since they've been married and they're probably 12, 13 years in. And they always, um, they have a standing six month check-in that they always have with their marriage counselor. Um, and they meet with them and it's like, okay, everything's great. Like, you know, go through the checklist and there's anything new you want to work through. And if there is, then they schedule follow-up sessions um, after that to kind of work through whatever issues they are dealing with. And if not, then they, you know, we'll see in, in six months, but it, it's kind of that um, maintenance that, um, put the time and the work in into, um, not just when things are broken or crazy, but like when things are good and you're, you know, feel like you're really thriving still, um, you know, have someone else that's like a third party that can check in with you and kind of dive into some stuff that maybe under the surface, you know, maybe like an oil is starting to leak or, you know, a valve, um, you know, pump or whatever is, is going, I'm not that big of a car guy, but you know, like spark plug, <laughs> you go. but anyways, it's just a really interesting analogy, but that's, that's been something that, you know, for us, you know, it's we've been, been a good cadence to like cadence follow in that, yeah. in that way. So I think to give you a more concise answer, no, we don't have someone currently. Have we seen people in the past? Yes. And is it something we keep talking about doing? Yes. Um, <laughs> And I think if you're, if you're not like us, like, um, you know, vagabonds all over the place, like every three, four years, um, you know, can you get into, yeah, a regular rhythm with someone, um, I think is really, would be really important and something that I think we need to put a little bit more importance on, especially in this season right now. Well, I love the car analogy and like, I think keeping with that, like, uh, you know, you got the $99 oil change or whatever, every three months kind of analogy, but then, you know, at 75,000 miles, like you might need a pretty detailed transmission service. You might need a new serpentine belt, like, and you're looking at like, in order to keep the car running for another 10 years, it's like a $2,000 service. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, if I could just encourage people that like when marriage is really tough, sometimes that's a sign or a symptom that like services do. And there's a pretty important service that needs to take place. It's not like sign that the car is dead. Right. Right. Um, so, and that all just kind of occurred to me and out of that analogy. And I just, I don't know. I really love that idea. Um, Cool. My, my dad is a big analogy guy. And so I, um, you know, analogies have been something that's been a really big part of my life and kind of helped us, you know, that's where the spokes of the wheel came from with like the five F's and, you know, um, there's some other analogies that we use like in our life and stuff like that. But it, yeah, I think, uh, what's interesting about the car analogy too, is that, um, you know, I, like if I look back on our marriage too, there's definitely been times where we've questioned, do we continue? Like, should the marriage continue? And I think to your point, Chris, about, you know, like in a car scenario, 
there could be something like you just haven't changed the oil in a while. And so the car is just like, yep, I'm not going to go anymore. But that doesn't mean that the car isn't still have a lot of life left and is still like could be a really well oiled, like functioning, you know, machine that could have a lot of joy. It's um, but it it's knowing how to read those signals and read the signs and be able to do the work to identify, okay, what actually is causing this? You know, being trans for us, being transparent, being willing to be vulnerable, to go to those places and really look at, you know, not let like fear and guilt and shame and stuff prevent us from really going to those places to identify, okay, what's really going on here? And then, you know, letting uh, healing to happen and those things to be fixed so that, you know, we can get back to humming again. And um, yeah, so I think that too has been, you know, I think for me, again, going back to like what I would tell myself um, as an engaged person is that um, there are going to be times when I'm, you know, I'm going to question, you're going to question your marriage. You're going to question why you got into it. You're going to question the, kind of the blissfulness wears off and you're just like, what have I got myself into? You know, I've lost myself or I just don't know how to love this person or whatever. Um, like those are the times when, yeah, um, you know, being vulnerable, being able to have people to mentor you, being able to like, uh, really be honest with your partner and, you know, invite the Holy spirit into make it, um, to really dive into what those are. Um, it, it, uh, it will always get back on track if you do those things mm-hmm. and um, to not be like surprised when it happens. Um, you know, and I think that's what I would tell myself is just not be surprised when these types of things happen and know that everyone goes through them. And these are the steps to take to, you know, get back on track. That's so good. Cause I think like to your point of, um, you know, pre-marriage being so exciting and you're just kind of like, oh, it's all going to be great or whatever. (laughs) But recognizing there are going to be hard times and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you just throw in the towel and that it needs to be done. It's just that there needs to be some work that needs to happen and adjustments maybe that need to be changed. Well, I think people paint this picture in our culture of marriage and they see like blissfulness as a representation of marriage. And then when the blissfulness isn't there, it's like, well, time for divorce and let's find a new spouse. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, there's nobody showing examples of people walking through hard times intentionally knowing ahead of time that they would happen and just, and just dealing with them. Yeah. And so thank you yeah, guys for, I think especially to, like when people think about hard times, they think about like major things too. Um, and for us, sometimes like the hard times have been just like, like mundane things, you know, that we just can't like get out of a little bit, you know, we're just Mm -hmm. stuck in a rut. And sometimes even that alone, because, you know, you mentioned culture, it's like, it's supposed to be this big grandiose, always in love, like these crazy feelings. And, Mm -hmm when it just settles into like a good slow rhythm, which is so good too sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, compare that to the, you know, crazy excitement, it almost doesn't feel good anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
Or like we must be doing something yeah, wrong. Yeah, we must be doing something wrong or and spice some, it up. Yeah. Or sometimes even too much of, of a good thing can make other things fall down flat. And I, I bring that back to like our five Fs, you know, what the 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 last one or one of them is fun. And we've caught ourselves sometimes or we're almost having like too much fun. And so like our fitness is terrible and our finances are terrible because like <laughs> we're going out to eat and we're going to concerts and we're like doing all these things. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, we both have 10 extra pounds and not enough dollars in our bank account, you know, <laughs> because we're having too much fun. And so it's not necessarily like a bad thing that's happening either, but you know, we need to kind of like taper one down in order for the other ones to kind of catch back up, um, in a way too. Yeah. Or intentionally focus on some of the others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, I want to know, <laughs> what do you guys spend all that money on? <laughs> for fun. For fun. So what, what is the thing that you guys love to do? What's one thing you guys do for fun together? That's like top of your list. Well, we do like to eat out. Mm-hmm. Do you guys? Amen, what's sister. Your, yeah. Amen. <laughs> do you current favorite restaurants around there. What's the one right by Green Lake? It's like the tiny hole in the wall Italian place that's so good. And there's uh, like pictures all over. Bizarro. Is that the one you're talking what about? What is it? Bizarro. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good. Guys, if you go to Seattle, go to Bizarro. <laughs> that used to be down the street from my work. And we pre-kids we used to go there yeah it's, for little date nights yeah it's good we really like cactus in yeah. seattle the mexican yep. place they have a couple different locations yeah um yeah, that and then good. if you want uh seattle i think every city has like who who's got the best burger um, oh yeah <laughs> so i'm sure you guys could tell me who's got the who your opinion is on the best burger uh-oh. Are you going to say Teddy's? Eugene? No, in Seattle. Oh, sorry. Teddy's. Okay. We nope. just lost you for a minute, but we got you oh. back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said Teddy's in Seattle? I, I was going to call Teddy's, yeah. Uh, so, and that's your opinion, and you're allowed to have it. <laughs> it's a wrong opinion, yeah. but you're allowed to have it. Can, so I, our, can I just our... say uh, total honesty at the moment? I've never had a Teddy's burger. Yeah, I've just only heard people raving about it. Oh, really? That's funny. Yeah, it's um, I actually haven't had either, so I can't say not. But our favorite burger in the city is Red Mill, Red Mill Burger. Mm. Um, okay, I've heard we we didn't eat there. That's they have a that one of the they have a mountain of bacon, and um, they sell T-shirts of like a logo of basically a mountain of bacon. They cook up all the bacon like in the morning, and then it sits on this pile on the. Um, fryer and then they just pull off of it throw it on slightly to heat it back up and it so the bacon's amazing the bread's good like so that's if we're gonna have if we're just like we just need a good burger we go to red mill we also do other things than just eating (laughs) 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 um we do like going boating in the summer that's still something we like to do and go on about yeah we take a lot of road trips try to visit friends and family yeah road trips we're waiting for your road trip south Mm -hmm. yes yes road (laughs) trips are a big thing yeah and seattle is a very um similar to kind of the eugene kind of i know portland's a little further away but um it's just one of those cities that's just got a lot of things you can get up to the mountains really quickly and we like to get out and explore and be near the water so Mm -hmm. 
there's a couple of really fun beaches in Seattle, um, uh, Elkai Beach and also uh, Golden Gardens. So those well, are really in fun. Edmonds where you guys are at right now. Yeah, it's gorgeous out here. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Well, Drew, Marie, thank you guys so, so much for sharing your lives with people here on the show. We love you guys. We really appreciate your hearts and um, we're so glad we got a chance to do this. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, appreciate thank you. It. Thank you guys.